0: Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail... In early November, the Chinese tennis player Peng Shui posted a message on the social media site Weibo. It outlined a sporadic relationship she'd had over a 10-year period with a senior Communist Party official, Zhang Gaolei, who is married and 40 years her senior. Peng's post paints a complicated picture... She talks about how well-matched she felt she and Zhang were, how good, in parts, their illicit relationship was, and her heartbreak when he called it off after being promoted to the upper echelons of the party. But she also suggests she was coerced into this relationship, that it was emotionally abusive, that Zhang exploited the massive power imbalance between them to take what he wanted without a thought for her well-being. She wrote, Even if it's like throwing eggs against a stone and a moth darting around a flame to destroy itself, I will speak the truth about us. After 20 minutes, the post was taken down. And then
1: is mounting concern for the welfare of the Chinese tennis player Peng Shuai who hasn't been seen in public since she made sexual assault allegations against a top government official.
2: The International Olympic Committee has said its president Thomas Bach has held a video call with the Chinese tennis star Peng Shuai who disappeared earlier this month. Chinese state media are
1: claiming to show photos of Peng Shuai but CNN can't independently verify that those pictures are from her or that they're current. Meanwhile The Women's Tennis Association is telling CNN that it's willing to pull its business out of China if Peng isn't found safe.
0: Even top players got involved. Serena Williams sent out a tweet, as did Naomi Osaka. And here is the world men's number one, Novak Djokovic.
1: This is horrifying. This is necessary for us to to, to take whatever actions. And I heard that WTA is willing to pull out from China, I mean, with
0: all the tournaments, unless this is resolved. I support it 100%. Today on the podcast, the mysterious disappearance of Peng shui. Is it a watershed moment in the Chinese chapter of the Me Too movement? Why are the UN and the IOC getting involved? And why has the Women's Tennis Association broken ranks and demanded answers? Matt Brown is news Talk ZB's sports news director and a respected and long-serving tennis commentator. I began by asking him about Peng Shui, the tennis player, and her profile on the circuit.
1: Well, she's, I mean, 35, so towards the end of her career, certainly in singles. I mean, she got to, I think, as high as... 12 or 13 in the world in singles. So a very, very good singles player. I'd seen her play in Auckland at the ASB Classic on on a couple of occasions. Uh, she was more renowned, though, for her doubles prowess. She became the world doubles number one, won Grand Slam titles, won uh, multiple uh, titles, I think, over over 30 in her career. So So a really, really top Top women's tennis player in China, second probably well second only to Li Na, of course former Grand Slam champion who is revered in China. So a big name in China because tennis. I've been to China a lot uh, for tennis. I've been to the Shanghai Masters on, on probably seven or eight occasions uh, and uh, they do like their tennis the Chinese it's certainly a sport they've invested a lot of money in and one of the key things here too they have an incredible strong link to the women's tour the women's tour have one of their headquarters there they have three headquarters one in the states one in the UK and one in Beijing and of course they have I think up to probably at least half a dozen WTA events there are 10 ATP or WTA events in China and the year-end championships Worked in Shenzhen this year, which is the uh, the, the home for the for the women's uh, year-end tournament, which is the biggest tournament sort of outside of the Grand Slams. Mm. That tournament was moved this year to uh, Guadalajara in Mexico because all sport is basically off in China due to the pandemic. But it's meant to go back there next year, but, but this really does throw um, the cat among the pigeons, so to speak.
0: We've got this, this storied Chinese tennis player, Peng Shui. She, along with Li who you mentioned before, is one of the you know, the faces of this golden age of, of Chinese tennis. In early November, Peng writes a post on the social media site uh, Weibo what does that post say?
1: I haven't got it right in front of me, but as we, I have seen the post, and it's essentially detailing abuse, and, and that's the only word I can use to describe it, because, look, she was in an on-and-off relationship, is how she termed it, with this official who was, let's face it, Xi, Xi, President Xi. He was pretty much in, in the, probably in the top five of Chinese politicians, so a really big name. Mm -hmm. Now, this is uh, sometimes, I I guess also it's hard to to perhaps comprehend how how this all started because the reality is, you know, she's 35, he's 75, right? And he's a married man, and he, she would go back to, she would be initially kind of like wined and dined by him. But then things moved towards, you know, and this is where it does get a bit murky, but they moved into the bedroom. She uh, broke his silence in this post and, and and basically accused him of being obviously manipulative, being forced to have sex, so um, you know rape um, let 's not hold back here I mean it, really strong accusations of of misconduct. Um, And so that's what was basically in the post.
0: It's an interesting case in terms of what's being alleged here, isn't it? In that it's not quite the open and shut, gross Harvey Weinstein kind of situation. It seems as though it is slightly more complicated than that. Without a doubt. But no matter how you look at it, in light of the Me Too movement, it looks super shady from the outside. He's 75. He's married. He is, as you say, a a really high-ranking Communist Party figure. No matter how you slice it, there's a massive imbalance here in power and in status. We might not know all of the details, but it's pretty safe to say it, it it's not really all good, this situation, right?
1: No, it's not. And it, it's, it's much wider than perhaps just the the actual issue and the accusation, because this is China we're talking about. This is a country where, uh, you know, people are silenced. People disappear for speaking out. I mean, there have been so many examples. Um, You know, it was at the head of Alibaba
2: Jack Ma has been noticeably silent after his high-profile critical rebuke of Chinese regulators back in October. His absence has been raising a lot of speculation as to exactly where he is, whether or not he's been disappeared by authorities, if he's fled the country, or perhaps just laying low.
1: There there are so many cases that, that we know about, and this is the first time really an athlete who, let's face it, she carried a lot of weight in China. And, and you know, what was her thinking? I don't know. Uh, but, um, but the reality is, a part of her having lived in Beijing and, and where she lived, um, you know, must have known what the consequences possibly could be too. So incredibly gutsy from her, um, without a doubt. And I think, you know, everyone would support what she did 100%.
0: Here is tennis commentator and racket magazine publisher Caitlin Thompson, who worked in China for two years.
1: A
2: lot of the citizens there who have become sort of transcendent stars, you know, they're still very much looked at as being state owned assets. And that's going to factor heavily into, I think, how to interpret what we've seen, but also what's been happening ever since. The idea that the state can direct your life, your finances, your property, your family's safety, your physical safety is not something that Peng Shui would have not known about. When she decided to Mm. sort of bare her soul and write what is sort of widely regarded to be a very telling and frankly quite sad and kind of heartbreaking um, description of ongoing abuse.
0: So all this is happening in early to mid-November. Peng isn't seen for a couple of weeks. But around November 18th, Chinese state media released an email purportedly from Peng which basically says, don't worry, I've just been taking a break, everything is fine. But not everyone buys it. The
2: head of the Women's Tennis Association has said he finds it hard to believe that an email released by Chinese state media and attributed to the tennis star Peng Shui is authentic. For us to see an email um, that basically uh, denied what that happened and said it didn't, um, and that all is great, um, I'm just struggling at, to, to agree to that and, and don't believe that's the truth at
0: all. And this is when the big dogs get involved.
1: What subsequently happened was the IOC reached out to her. So the President uh, Bach and the Vice President, I believe, of the Chinese is it Olymp- Olympic Committee was also on there. So uh, it wasn't just Thomas Bach on a call, on a video call, which we have not seen, we've only had a, a little... Statement saying that look, we chatted for half an hour, and that she's sure that she's well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, to me, that just smacked of complicity with uh, with China and, and essentially bowing down. There were no questions. There was nothing came out. You know, there, there was nothing really in support of of her and her accusations. It was really to try and almost appease the world's media and the world for having so much concern over Peng Shui. I mean, it was incredible to think that they would put out a statement like that knowing full too well that, you know, it's going to be questions. There was nothing really that assured anybody that she was okay. And who knows whether she had somebody standing at her door or she was under house arrest. She couldn't say anything. It wasn't a free call. The head of the Chinese Olympic committee was on that, was on that call, you know, so yeah, really skeptical. And then the other thing here, of course, well, look at the ISC. they've got an Olympics coming up in two, in a bit months in China there's already a lot of pressure on them. This has the potential, you know, to, to really blow up in the sense that, um, you know, you could see boycotts. You could certainly see some athletes taking a stand and not going. There's too, almost too much to lose, dare I say it, for the IOC. You know, at the last minute, they're not going to risk that relationship with China, pull the Olympics, you know, from China. Mm. So, um, it, Yeah. Um, but it left a real sour note that they didn't have the guts to really to, to call them out on, on this issue. First, we saw pictures
0: on her WeChat uh, account showing her at home playing with soft toys. Then she appeared at a restaurant in Beijing with friends. Uh, then uh, she appeared at a tennis tournament for teenagers. And then this 30-minute Zoom call, effectively, with Thomas Bach. All of that clearly appears very orchestrated, to be blunt about it, uh, and is meant to prove, if nothing else, that she is alive and that she is safe and she is well. But very few of those questions have actually been answered. It appears the proof-of-life test has been passed, but it shows you how desperate, how worried those concerns were about her, that the Chinese authorities and Peng as well felt the need to do that. From your point of view... In terms of the IOC's involvement what, what do you mm. think of that in terms of your your personal opinion do you think that they've allowed themselves to be used here that they have sort of willfully gotten involved in this in order to dismiss it
1: yeah it's almost like they've, they've taken the view well sport and politics doesn't shouldn't mix when of course we as we know they are intrinsically linked mm. um, yeah uh, well if, if Thomas bark had been really I mean if he had come out and had you know, released, had it had, had done a video Zoom, a Zoom, and released that Zoom, then I think, you know, we can probably wait and not be quite so judgmental until we've seen the content and, and the context of it. But their statement was just so weak, and it really offered nothing and no assurity. And 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 the WTA came in and said, look, despite that call, they were still weren't assured that she is safe.
0: Here is the head of the Women's Tennis Association, Steve Simon.
2: We're at a crossroads with our relationship uh, obviously with, our, with China and operating our business over there, there's no question about it. It's something that's actually very sad because we have some amazing relationships over there and have developed some, some unbelievable programs that are really introducing the sport to a lot of young Chinese uh, players um, that want to become the next Li Nang, the next Peng Shui, um, and all of those types of things, so it's very exciting. And we've had a lot of success over there. You know, I think that when you look at this though, um, there's too many times in our world today when we get into issues like this, that we let business, politics, money dictate uh, what's right and what's wrong. And when we have a young person who has the fortitude to step up and make these allegations, knowing full well what the results of that are gonna be, for us to not support that and demand uh, justice as we go through it, you know, we have to start as a world making decisions that are based upon um, right and wrong, period. And uh, we can't compromise that. And we're definitely willing to pull our business and deal with all the complications that come with it um, because this is certainly, um, this is bigger than the business.
0: I have to say, I was surprised and almost admiring of how bullish the WTA kind of was and how they didn't really, you know, they didn't mince their words around this. They are really concerned about it. They are warning China that there might be consequences. And the reason that I was surprised by that is that, you know, I follow football and basketball pretty closely. When individual athletes in those sports have come out and criticized China, those sporting organizations have been very quick to essentially to censor their athletes.
2: I'm Will Ripley, live in Hong Kong, and the National Basketball Association, or NBA, in the U.S., is facing a huge backlash from U.S. lawmakers for its reaction to this tweet by the Houston Rockets general manager, a tweet backing pro-democracy demonstrations right here in Hong Kong. The NBA makes billions of dollars in the Chinese market, and it's apparently siding with Beijing, calling Daryl Morey's tweet regrettable.
0: Mesut Ozil has many fans in China, now he has angered a number of them. The uproar came after the German midfielder, a practicing Muslim, made scathing comments on social media about a particularly sensitive issue in China, the minority Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Korans are burned, mosques have been closed down and religious scholars have been killed one by one, he wrote in his posts on Twitter and Instagram. As angry Chinese fans posted photos of a shredded Uzil jersey and demanded he be expelled from the club, Arsenal went into damage control. It posted a statement on Chinese social media platform Weibo insisting that Uzil's remarks reflected his own personal opinion and that the club adheres to the principle of not being involved in politics.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, to be honest. Um, it's not often you know, that we see a sporting body come out so strongly and in my first reaction, when I first heard the story, I thought, oh, gosh, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be tough. WTA are probably going to be, well, maybe similar to uh, to perhaps what the IOC were, a little bit hesitant to get too involved and to criticise China you know, strongly. And so Steve Simon's response was an absolute revelation. You know, they've got about, their sponsorship is up around the billion. We're talking a billion bucks. I mean, we're, we're talking, it's massive, the biggest by far. So, you know, an organisation like the Women's Tennis Association could be crippled by if that money was pulled. And he came out rather than said that. Look, if we have to, we will because we've got principles. We've got, you know, we we we, we have to support our athletes and, and be there for them. And 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 I just think um, incredible, incredible attitude. And you know, and he's and he, he went on and said that you know if we have to find, we will. We will, if We have to find alternative revenue streams. We will. And and he, and and so. And, and, and I think that would get a lot of support too. Um, if you're looking to, you know, back a sport and whatnot, you would you you would look at that stance and think, holy heck, you know, I want to get involved. So it's pr- we're not at that stage yet, but it's going to be intriguing to see what happens in the couple of, in the coming months because there is, um, you know, so much at stake. And I think for China, which has invested so much in tennis, it wasn't that long ago, I remember being up there at the Shanghai Masters, you know, they would talk about them vying to, to be to stage a grand slam that if Australia ever let their guard down China was ready to step in to to stage the grand slam of the um of Austra- of, of Australia Pacific so um yeah you know, given and then that's going to be interesting to see whether there is any back down um at all from China history would suggest there won't be but um but you always hold out you know some hope
0: it must be faster. i mean you you know you're a sports reporter you've covered sport for a long time is it interesting from your point of view to see how money and the presence of so much money in these global sports influences morals and what sports organisations are prepared to accept?
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, But sport, you know, is big business. Um, And yeah, people are, look, there's not really any consistency, is there? Because, um, you know, people and organisations Take a stance, and they, you know, promote welfare. I mean, you can look at things. that Even the, you look back at, 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 say, New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks, you know, and sort of sponsored by a beer brand when alcohol, you know, and you can of arguments that that alcohol advertising, all that sort of thing, and then now going in with with Ineos and, and its record in terms of um, environmental and stuff, you know. Uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, your money. Money talks and money sort of comes first in, in business. And I think it's the money first, moral second in, in, in so many cases. I mean, the you know, golf, the European Tour, playing in Saudi Arabia, being criticised. Players who go there get, get criticised. Um, you know, there's talk about the America's Cup going there as well. It's a possibility. Um, the American entry won't be in it if, if it is. But, you know, they're always let's face it on um, human rights and um is massive but then sport you know it does turn a blind eye the fact is that there is so much big sport chinese formula one grand Prix mm. you know the tennis in particular the golf tournaments in china and their human rights rights record is atrocious um but they're but they're not the only country um where there are major sporting events i mean there's so many in the in the world where um you know as i say unfortunately sport well sport does turn a, bl- a blind eye
0: well I mean maybe in that case this is a really this this could really have fascinating long longer term implications you know if other sporting bodies see this organization as taking a stance And that works out, whether it's in an economic sense or in a public opinion sort of sense, perhaps that could be a real game changer in the world of of sport to say, you know, sport is a powerful concept, and institution in, in the world that we have. It does have its own sort of power and you don't just need to kowtow to these administrations that run roughshod over what you would consider to be human rights.
1: Yeah, um, it is. It would be. Uh, I think it would be almost a precedent. Certainly a precedent. If, if the WTA does move out of, you know, maybe it will pave the way for, for, for change um, in other areas. I, I just feel too. You know, in terms of international relations, we move away from sport. And, and in China, you know, the issues that it's having now with the United States, with Taiwan, it's flexing its muscles everywhere at the moment. Um, that is you know so much of the world is tied up in china in terms of the relationship in terms of trade and the money etc cetera, etc cetera. um it will be a, it will be a huge call for sports to turn you know to, to turn it. and of course attention flows through i mean if this if the wta does i mean what sort of impact is that going to have um from an international relations because they will certainly the Chinese will see it as an american based decision because that's where you know, the wigs are based in the WTA and things like that and, and those sort of relations. So, yeah, a lot of water to th- flow under the bridge yet. But, um, but certainly, I mean, I, I actually think, well, all we, we go back to the essence of this. You want Peng Shui to be safe, safe right? Mm. WTA pulls out of China. Is she going to be safe? <laughs> you know, I, I just, yeah, it's, gonna, it, it, it's a scary prospect um, if it does go to that level.
0: I guess that's one of the things that's interesting about the story is that it's still kind of moving. I mean, at, at, yeah, at yeah. present, we know what do we know. We know Peng Shui is alive. We don't know too much more than that. We know the tennis community is seriously concerned. The IOC's credibility, and this is, is sort of in the toilet. I mean, the UN's getting involved. WTA is bullish. Me Too is building momentum in China. And I guess the only truism about this is there's definitely still some way to go with this story.
1: Oh, there, there is, and um, and you know, I, I look at the, uh, I'm looking at the uh, the calendar. I'm just on the WTA website, you know, and, and the calendar for 2020. The ATP, the men's calendar came out for the first six months of the year. Um, incidentally, nothing in China. Their tournaments were all the back end of the season. Nothing yet for the WTA calendar for next year. So that's just going to be fascinating. They have to make those decisions. You know, they've got a. The thing is, organising a tournament doesn't just happen overnight either. <laughs> it's it, it's going to be intriguing um, to see what point. You know, they do do that and and, and they make the call. But that's one of the next steps, clearly. Um, And I think also, you know, hearing from a friend, an athlete on tour, someone who comes out and has had that contact starts again. I just can't imagine that. You make a post, you're shut down, it's taken off. And next minute, your ability to communicate with anyone, anywhere in the world, because the world we live in, for, for us, for, you know, suddenly it stops. Three weeks, four weeks, no one hears from her. You know, that is really, really worrying and concerning.
0: That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Alexei Russell. And thanks to News Talk ZB's Matt Brown. Matewa.